Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mays, but you guys know me as David Altizer because I'm sitting next to, well, across from my grandmother, Kathy Stevenson. Say hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) And our lovely mic stand today, my brother, Matthew Altizer, or Matt, as he likes to be called. Yep. (laughs) We are in Washington, D.C., uh, as we're recording this, we're actually kind of near Arlington um, because we buried my grandfather, um, my grandma's husband, husband of over how many years? 40. 40 years. 40 wonderful years. And uh, Papa Joel, as we called him, Matthew and I grew up with him. Amazing man of God, amazing husband and incredible grandfather, uh, a warrior soldier. He was in the uh, the army, Green Beret, paratrooper. Lieutenant Colonel. Yeah, he land. He he jumped out of a airplane in Vietnam and and led reken. How do you say reconnaissance? Recon. Recon. Reconnaissance. Reconnaissance. Not reconnaissance. Reconnaissance. A real hero uh, in in America. And um, interestingly enough, as Matthew and I were growing up, it wasn't something that he really talked much about. And even, Mama, you were saying how uh, he didn't even tell you a lot of stories. No, uh, he had so many papers that he had left after he passed away that I had not seen. He was a very humble person, actually, and uh, he had won so many awards that I didn't know about. But the one particular one was the Silver Star, which is uh, one of the top three medals that you can get in the Army. And I was very amazed and um, surprised that he never told me why he won the Silver Star Medal. And I found the papers, and one of the generals that had worked with him had written a letter uh, recommending the star and for uh, what Papa had done in the Army. Yeah, and, and you had made a little folder for us and that was the first time we had seen why he did it. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. He, um, while being on the enemy line, they got ambushed and they had, uh, you know, heavy machine gun and grenade fire and he got injured and he refused medical attention and continued pushing. He was and leading it, the battle too. Yeah. He, he was the officer leading commander or whatever. And, uh, then got wounded a, a, again and refusing medical attention yet again sort of encouraging his, the troops to sort of win that firefight. And that, I thought that was really cool to actually realize, oh, that's how he got that star. Yes, yes. that's how he got it. Purple Heart, too. He and... also got the Purple Heart for that. And uh, he was he was a wonderful man. So because of his service to our country, um, it was an easy uh, recommendation for Arlington to to bury him and um it was a request that he had before he passed and a huge honor and i got to <clears throat> film it and take some pictures for the rest of the family who couldn't make it um it's been a really special trip because it really has been just you uh me and matthew which has been really fun because when we were little my parents would drop us off at your house with papa and we would just hang out and have weekends together it's kind of like we're Doing that all over again. But now we're old men. (laughs) 
but you're still our children. And it's really funny because Papa and I always felt like you were our children too, as well as your parents. And we loved keeping you. We loved having time with you. And I remember that Papa had found this little uh, lake house that we ended up buying. And he said he's going to buy that house so he could trap the boys. And it worked. (laughs) We grew up on that lake and I still have fond memories of it. And to this day, I tell my wife, Laura, the only house I really want to buy is a lake house. Because <laughs> when I think about the times I had as a kid growing up at a lake house and how much fun that was, I want my boys to be able to have a lake house too. Heck, you, know. you could buy that lake house. I know. <laughs> It'd be cool if it was on the market. It would be wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but it was such a joy for us to have that time with you. And what I appreciate more than I can ever say is how much I thank you for coming now for his burial um, and it, it means the world to me to have you here. And I know that Papa is smiling down from heaven seeing you here too because it means the world <laughs> to him. I know it does. It was really cool to see. And yes. I, I think, you know, yes, he did die a few years ago, but uh, the, the chaplain at the speech said it really well when they held the American flag spread out um, above his ashes. He, um, the guy said, in life... Joel honored this flag, and now this flag honors him. Um, Very powerful. And another cool thing, like, you know, you cannot buy a spot at Arlington Cemetery. You have to earn it. And so mm. it, this was really, honestly, like, um, our our government, the military's way of honoring his death. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool to see. And there's uh, hundreds of thousands of others who have... 400,000. Yeah, who have been buried there as well. And I posted a couple photos on my Instagram, and I had... About four or five other guys reach out to me and say that their grandfathers were buried there as well and how meaningful it was to them. And they were, you know, sending their condolences and stuff. And um, there's many people all over this country who who can relate to what we experienced. And so to all those people who are listening, uh, condolences to your family and uh, God bless America, right? Amen. (laughs) Well, you know, you think about all those men who died for their country, they they fought for their country. Uh, they love America. And we've talked many times about how much we love this country and how thankful we are for this country. But more than anything right now, after we've been to the cemetery, we are so thankful for our soldiers and our airmen and our Navy and all of the military men who have fought and laid down their lives for America. Yes. That is the Men most, and women both. It, it is. Yeah. It, we thank them so much, and we really can never repay them for what they have done for us. Exactly. Exactly. So, anyways. Um, All right, that, now let's talk cameras and stuff. No, that, <laughs> it's okay. I just wanted to give people some context, and um, I think we should get started with explaining who Kathy Stevenson is, my grandma. Uh <laughs> You know, she's my dad's mother. So if you listen to a couple episodes ago, um, we interviewed my father who directed the film uh, Show Me the Father and uh, other films and stuff. And Matthew and I both grew up in a creative household. And, well, there's a loud motorcycle. I don't know if you guys can hear that. I'm not going to edit it out, so I'll just keep talking. Um, <laughs> but, Mama, you've, you really fostered a lot of creativity in, in the household for my dad. And then you yourself were a, uh, a radio show host. And I don't really know the whole story behind that and what your aspirations were and, and how that 
whole side of your life went. Um, so just share with our listeners who are mostly creative uh, professionals uh, your journey in radio. Well, thank you. Um, what happened was I had gone back to college. I hadn't finished uh, my degree, and um, I was uh, at the University of Tennessee at the time and needing to know what to major in. And so they have this catalog of things. Well, I had picked a few majors, and they just weren't me. And they didn't sit well with my personality or what I thought I would really love to do. And so I went through this catalog, and it had, it had a lot of communications um, topics that we could take, uh, studies. And the one that really, that really impressed me and I felt, I felt a connection with was broadcasting. And so I thought, wow, I think I would like to try that because I had something about that that, that really appealed to me. And I did. I went ahead and I um, applied for um, the College of Communications and was accepted at the University of Tennessee. And I ended up majoring in broadcasting, television, and radio, actually, with a second um, major in journalism. So I had both of those. I loved it. I got into it. I uh, learned all, as much as I could about it. And at that time, see, this was back in the 1970s. And so we learned how to um, use the 16-millimeter camera, which was used on TV then. Wow, And cool. then we, we learned how to splice film and that the audio was so many frames before or after the video. And now I can't remember. <laughs> Wait, so when, when I click the the B button on Final Cut Pro and there's there's a like scissors is that because you were actually cutting with real scissors when with you blade. edited yes. a blade yeah it was with a blade on a splicer machine jeez <laughs> must have taken forever and by <laughs> and by the way my brother and I have similar voices so yeah. uh, if <laughs> was, if you get confused that was Matthew speaking now this is myself David speaking so. and now this is Dave Mays speaking <laughs> no that's no, Matthew it's, <laughs> now, now it's grandmother speaking <laughs> No, so anyway, um, I got a job with WBIR Television, um, and I was a documentary assistant at wow. first, the documentary director assistant, and I would carry his equipment around because <laughs> he said he had a heart condition, and, you know, I was bigger than him and taller than him. I had to carry the lights. I had to carry the camera. Oh, my goodness. And... Um, so I did the, all of that and loved it. A news station? Or? It was in uh, WBIR. It's a television station in what were uh, the, Knoxville. What were the lights like back then? Did you have a uh, a generator or a power brick, or did you have to no, plug just, it into the you wall? You plug it in. You have yeah. these lights that are attached to a stand. Sure. And you just plug it in. And they were really hot, right? Yeah. You couldn't touch them. And by the way, WBIR was the CBS affiliate. Okay. It's a regular rail. Uh, television station cool yeah, yeah. and then from there I went to become the action reporter but I think what I what I mentioned to you that I thought you thought was kind of interesting mm -hmm. see back then I mean this was the 1970s you had to you had a 16 millimeter camera you went out and you shot it sometimes I'd have a cameraman sometimes I have to do it by myself wow so but the cameraman usually would come with me mm -hmm. and but I had to take the film back to the station Mm -hmm. And so you go through the film and you start looking at it and you splice it, which means you cut it, but you have to paste it back together. Literally paste it. Literally. <laughs> and okay, so you do, your, you do your story maybe in the morning, maybe in the afternoon. Sure. The news goes on at six o'clock. 
Wow. And you got to have that spliced and you have to have that glue on there so that it doesn't come off. <laughs> they ran it on a regular old timey projector. Wow. That's how they ran the stories on, uh, on television back in those days. And so if you didn't get that stuff glued right, it would break. Uh huh. And of course, you'd go black on air. Yeah. So you had to know how to do that. Wow, well, I didn't I know that. I was blessed because I learned how to do it at the at school. Uh huh. And then when I got the job, I knew how to do it, and it worked out great. And it was. But to me now, to see how people do television and how they're using, you know, video and how you use your cell phone and all, it's it's mind-boggling <laughs> compared. To, it was like we were in the dark ages compared <laughs> to what you're doing today. Basically, you know? but you had I mean, no command Z, <laughs> yeah, no yeah. undo. Exactly. Yeah. So it was great. But. I I don't know. I think I have a little bit more respect for what you were doing because that's way more. Uh, the the risk is way higher because it was it so is. much more uh, physical. You were so devoted to the edit. Yeah. Every cut you made was so intentional, and you're like, I am not undoing this. This is done <laughs> because it's exactly it is, right. better it's be. literally pasted <laughs> together. Or I would be out the door. <laughs> Do you remember with the audio? Did you use um, a slate? Do you remember those like the things that the little clapper that would come down no. to sync the the audio was synced to the video already no you had to cut it the right way on the film okay and you know, to be honest i can't remember what i did now but i know that the audio was either eight frames in front of or behind okay the video i can't remember and so you would just kind of slip it down you had to do something uh-huh. yeah that's crazy and did you have an audio person or was it like a microphone that you would hold yeah, I would hold a microphone. Yeah. And it was, you know, the plugged cameraman in. was plugged in, yeah. Gotcha. And it was um it was it was pretty um There was no digital back then. It was all film. No. We didn't have even tape. We didn't have anything. Crazy. So and it was and two, uh a lot of times, you know, we had live T V mm-hmm. and we I did a couple of interview shows too. I was with w, um WSJK for a for a while and um I had three talk shows. Mm-hmm. Well, now that's easier, but it was live. Yeah. It's the only problem with that because you can't make too many mistakes. Sure. <laughs> because it's going to go whatever it is. Yeah. And then uh, they would tape stuff too, mm-hmm. but most of the stuff we did would be on live. And that was different. Now going, going even further back to your childhood, something that I find so fascinating with you and your generation really is the the theater and the um, and the cinema and how magical it really was in in that time in the 40s and 50s yeah and being able to just uh, you can you share some of the stories of just just fond memories of going to the movies oh the movies were fantastic for us growing up we loved the movies it was a huge big deal every saturday you would have two movies an a movie and a b movie Mm. and that was a a well-known movie and like a one that was not going to be famous or anything. Yeah. So we always had a Western, and we always had one of the A movies. It was really kind of twisted around. Oh. The Western was the one the children liked the most. <laughs> we had Roy Rogers. Uh, we had, um, uh, oh, Gene Autry. What's his name? Cassidy. I can't remember his name now. I can't remember some of these things. I'm so old. I'm 84 now. <laughs> and we had Lash LaRue, who was my mm-hmm. favorite one. John Wayne back there? Well, he, he was, was newer, back there. Later. But he was not one of these movies that they played. 
you had these regular uh did I say Roy Rogers? He was the mm-hmm. big one with yeah, Dale yeah. Rogers. What about wasn't it Buck Rogers or something that was like a space one or something? Could be. I don't, I don't remember know. that one. I don't know. I I oh, wasn't there. I'll tell you a funny thing we had. And, we would have And by the way, I have to preface this again. If you hear loud noises in the background, it's cuz we're staying in a beautiful Airbnb, but the walls seem to be paper thin <laughs> and there's a street right next to us. So if you hear motorcycles or sirens, that's what's going on. So <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, so anyway, so at the movie, we always had a little short right before the movie. And we would have uh, like the Three Stooges or uh, the Marx Brothers or something like that. Yeah. We also had these uh, cartoons, like a Batman, we'd have a cartoon. And at the end of it, they'd leave you a, a cliffhanger. Uh-huh. And so something would happen and they'd say, tune in next week and to see what happened at the cliffhanger. Yeah. So next week would come, and we'd all go back to the movie, and we wanted to know what would happen at the cliffhanger. They never showed it. They never showed the next episode. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So you never knew. <laughs> this was in this little tiny theater in Matoka, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. It's where you had grew up. one movie. And uh, so we'd go every Saturday. We'd see the double feature. And uh, we'd see a short, and it was just cool. That's where Mickey Mouse, you know, and Looney Tunes, they would play those at the beginning. Right? Yes, they did. They played yeah. those, too. And Tom and Jerry was the big one. Yeah. And uh, Elmer Fudd and Bugs Bunny. Uh-huh. So, yeah, you're right. And Mickey and, Mouse. Uh, the uh, Wiley so, Coyote, I love that, that was one. great. It was I remember great. Papa loved uh, Wiley Coyote. Yeah. Papa. <laughs> And Daffy Duck. Yeah. <laughs> Anything with an attitude he liked. Yeah. Exactly. Like him. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And how much was it to go the, the, to the A movie quarter. theater? A quarter. <laughs> and, yeah. and also, it, again, it was such a different time. Your father would just let you and your brother just run around and just go down there by well, yourself, right? What happened was um, our mother wasn't with us. We were, we were raised up without a mother. And my father worked um, every day, uh, six days a week, actually. And um, he was from another country. He was from Syria. And in Syria, you just did not supervise your children 24-7 like they do today. Mm-hmm. And so my brother and I went to the movies all the time. And I guess we went to just about, well, every other movie that came to that little theater <laughs> at night. Yeah. And we'd go at night, walk by ourselves, and come home at night and walk by ourselves. And That's amazing. Did that for several years growing up. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I feel like that, <clears throat> that kind of foundation of uh, cinema has, uh, has put um, the passion for movies in you, and and therefore has been passed down to my father and my aunt and uncle Scott and Gina who. We all love films and entertainment, and they pursued acting as well in uh, Hollywood, and my dad, obviously, as a musician. Um, and then now, Matthew and I also have pursued a lot of entertainment-based yeah. uh, pro- uh, you know, jobs and stuff. So it's uh, kind of crazy how you know it all started with you loving films to then doing radio and TV, and then, you know, at least... And at least in our home and in our family tree, you guys would encourage one another to do creative arts. It wasn't, I've talked to other families and other people who are like, yeah, my parents don't understand what I do, you know, or, um, 
I've always felt very supported by my family to do creative things mm -hmm. because it never wasn't, it, it always seemed possible because you did it. My dad did it. You know, Gina. your brother, even he's an amazing, you know, pottery maker. Super creative. I thought you were talking about yourself, <laughs> your brother. Like No, I was talking to my grandmother <laughs> yeah. that I'm sitting next to. Yeah, Bobby. Her brother, our great uncle. Great, yeah, un great right. uncle Bobby. Uh, I don't claim to be creative at all. You are. <laughs> you are, absolutely. You're, you're a musician and a, and a filmmaker as well in your own right. So um, we can get to that. <laughs> but Uncle Bobby, I made a, a little little video about him. You could go see it on my Vimeo page. It has a Vimeo staff pick. It has a Vimeo staff pick. I've talked about it on the show before. Uh, Vimeo.com slash Dave Mays. You can watch the uh, little video I made about Uncle Bobby. That's uh, Mama's brother. But Grandma, did did um did any of your relatives or family have any film stuff, or was were you sort of the catalyst in in our family of that? Well, we had some distant cousins who were movie stars really? in the old country. Okay. Uh -huh. I didn't know that. In one, Syria? And, well, all over the Arab world. We had Esmahan, who was one of the greatest singers of um, their history. And her brother, Farid al Atrash, mm -hmm. was a very famous movie star. That's crazy. So we had two movie stars. <laughs> and then, but they were distant cousins, actually. Okay. And, but my grandfather loved to play the mandolin. So I did know, and, mm. but you know, the thing is, I don't know that much about my family. I sure. was very unfortunate not to have learned more about my family in the old country. Well, but your dad, you know, immigrated and you are an American. I mean, you grew up here. That's so. right. But and concentrated more here, yeah. of course. And then, you know, dad's dad also is a guitar player. His family has a lot of music in it. Mm -hmm. So... Um, anyways, so that's kind of the, the family history of it. Um, I know when we were young, you were still doing radio. Um, can you talk about that? You know, oh, that how your fun. transition into a local yeah. radio station in Tennessee. It was. Uh, this was uh, the only radio station I really worked at. No, I did, I did another one. I can't remember. Two. Two more other ones. Forgot. Uh, this particular one was really interesting. It was country radio station. And the owner of the radio station and the manager, same guy, uh, knew a lot of really interesting people. Um, he knew Pee Wee King. He was a good friend to him. And he was an old timer. There were the Lubin brothers okay. who were very famous in the country music business. They would come by and talk with him all the time. And he had a good friend of um, Waylon Jennings' brother was one of his best friends. He came by the station all the time. Mm -hmm. So we lived, we had this little tiny station and you just walk into this little room and then right behind it was a studio and we had the old knobs that you turned uh -huh. and the, the little um, uh, volume control thing that goes back and forth. <laughs> yeah. It was very, very old fashioned and old timey and our, our station manager would go buy secondhand radio equipment when somebody would go out of business or something, he would buy their equipment mm -hmm. because he was real cheap. <laughs> uh -huh. And he would use this old equipment, but it worked. Yeah. And so all these guys would come by. Well, sometimes they'd all be hanging out inside the studio while you're, while you're on air. 
and they were all smoking. <laughs> and so you're in this little tiny room, and these people are smoking, and you can't even see anything in there. So, but that's how it was, real small. You know, it wasn't anything um, yeah. um, modern or anything like that. It was, but it was fun. I loved, I loved being over there. We loved listening to it. I remember my mom would play it while you were alive sometimes. And we would listen in. I'm, I'm, I think I was very young. It was early '90s yeah. when you were doing it. But um, our favorite one was the senior, senior bells. The senior <laughs> bells. Oh. Can you tell us about the senior bells? Well, senior bells used kitchen equipment for their uh, for their band. They had a little band. They had all this kitchen equipment, and uh, they would bang on the ki- kitchen equipment and sing. And uh, I can remember they were singing and singing, and I was going on and on about how good they were, which I was trying to encourage them and thank them for coming to the station and all. And then when the manager came in, he was laughing. And he looked at me and he said, that was awful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) it, it, it was pretty bad. Yeah, your dad still teases me about that particular show well, and i'm thinking out of all the shows he had to, he had to uh to hone in on that one <laughs> well it is really entertaining to listen to it's funny yeah it, it is, is funny it is funny but so. god bless them they're sweet old ladies and yeah that sweet. was their little band yeah they brought <laughs> kitchen uh utensils and they would just bang it around. yeah <laughs> and their band lives on now because of that yeah because of what you did yeah <laughs> oh dear and also I had a blind band. Yes, I remember this this story. They were really good. Mm -hmm. But I would have to go pick them up Mm -hmm. because they were (laughs) blind. They couldn't drive. They don't have their driver license? (laughs) Of course not. Yeah, of course. No, they said I'd have to pick them up. So that was interesting. I never had a job like that before. So you'd go pick them up and bring them to the station. I did, and I really came to become good friends with them. They were all just really, and they were very, very talented. They could really play their instruments beautifully and so they would come to the uh, studio and they would play live that's awesome and i'd have to twist and turn the knobs Mm -hmm. hopefully you know that the sound would come across well yeah (laughs) that's really amazing yeah they they always say like if you lose one of your senses sometimes other senses kind of get hyper yes uh, strong you know yeah that happened they were blind but they their ears were tuned perfectly you know i think so and they're very talented. Yeah. It's just amazing how that worked out. That's so cool. <laughs> that was, oh, and then one time somebody, uh, somebody called in and said they had seen an alligator in one of the little branches, you know, uh-huh. one of the little streams in this little town that I worked outside of called Lebanon, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And they called in and said, what should we do? We found this little <laughs> alligator down here. And so people started calling in about the alligator and, it, you know, stuff like that happened. That's and, hilarious. And, That's like modern day uh, <laughs> live stream or something. Well, you know? and what it is, you know, these are old timey old things that happened back in the old days. Everything's live. You don't know what's going to happen yeah. and or who's going to call in. And um, But I loved it. And there was another guy, his, uh, they, he had a show in the morning, Mason in the morning, and I had Kathy in the afternoon. And Mason in the morning was was like that too. People would call in, they'd talk about this and that and the other, and mm-hmm. it was very. Uh, I don't want to call it country. <laughs> I, it was more homey, more family-like um, um, place 
it's our like radio crack, station. Cracker Barrel for your ears. Exactly. Southern Comfort Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Howdy, y'all. <laughs> That's right. Oh, it was wonderful. That's People right. People were so sweet and kind. Of course. They of were course. nice. They come over to the station, some of our listeners, and bring desserts and food and yeah. just for no reason just to be and they <laughs> hang out you know with us sometimes that's great oh and our station was owned by this guy who had the building next door and our door from the studio went into his his work uh his store it mm-hmm. was called the scratch and dent store uh-huh <laughs> of course yeah 11 in tennessee you get yeah you get all that stuff <laughs> and so he he rented the the little office building to the manager gotcha here. yeah so with movies you're kind of a it's kind of impressive your film uh knowledge you know actors you know directors you know uh especially older films when they came out who was in them what what were some of your favorite movies um just throughout growing the years, up. growing up, and, and then even in the last, you know, 20, 30 years, if there's anything that oh, stands wow. out. but My most favorite all-time movie was Gone with the Wind, mm. and I was a young girl when that came out, and also, uh, um, oh, um, Judy Garland, uh, oh, Over the Rainbow, what was this, the movie? Wizard of Oz, yeah. Huh? Wizard of Oz. Oh, of course. See, remember, I'm 84 years old, but that was one of my favorite movies. Of course. It was it's my such... dad's favorite movie. Is too. it? Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. I didn't know that. The thing is, what was so impressive about it, it started in black and white, and it, it blended into color. Mm-hmm. Everybody's eyes popped. When they saw that sitting in the theater, that was amazing. That was the ultimate uh, twist, you know? Yes. Especially if you were able to go into that film without anybody telling you yes and you just are there sitting you're used to seeing black and white yeah. and then all of a sudden boom oh and it was amazing we loved wow. that and i went to just i think i went to every other movie that was ever uh, produced back in the <laughs> 1940s and um sound of music uh that was that? later that is later it i thought was. it was th- oh, yeah, i yeah you're right that's more uh, 70s you know it? what they had back then too which I still like. It was called Film Noir. Yeah. And that was um, Rita Hayworth, Orson Welles, mm. Ray Milan, Barbara Stanwyck, you know, all these old-timey Alan Ladd, mm. Humphrey Bogart, Lucille Ball, Lucille, um, not Lucille Ball, Lauren Ball, Lauren Ball, mm-hmm. Lauren Bacall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lucille Ball's the comedian. I knew it was comedian. something like that. See, I'm, see I'm, I'm trying to get my brain no, to work a little really better. No, really impressive, though. I, and so I don't know any of that. these actors, and Gene Tierney, and oh my goodness, they, they were just, they were our models. Unfortunately, they all smoked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so all these guys on television are smoking, and so what do we do? The little kids are watching that. We all want to smoke. Yeah. And we did. The power of influence. It's absolutely. But um, Gone with the Wind was definitely my favorite movie. And then some of these old-timey films. And um, I just loved those film noir. I loved that. And um, also some of the... um, We loved um, um, Bud Abbott, Luke Costello. Bud Abbott, Luke Costello, meet Frankenstein. But Abbott Luke Costello meet the werewolf. But <laughs> Abbott Luke Costello meet 
the vampire yeah you know and all that so we watch every one of them be scared to death and you know i always thought that there was a gorilla in the attic <laughs> in my house <laughs> i did i you know grew up yeah. seeing all this stuff and i know it affected me yeah, yeah. as a child <laughs> so anyway what was it about uh cinema that you were so attracted to was it just the escape or I, the fantasy well, of it or absolutely the escape and it was entertainment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we lived in this little coal mining town, and uh, there wasn't much to do there. Mm -hmm. And to go to the theater, the movie, oh, wow, that was going into another world. We were a little small town. We didn't have, you know, we were kind of an innocent, at an innocent age mm -hmm. during the 40s, mm -hmm. uh, before, right before and after the uh, Second World War. Mm -hmm. It was kind of the way the country was. Mm -hmm. Every, everybody went to church. Mm -hmm. um, everybody, you know, seemed to be... You respected your elders. <laughs> you, res you did respect your elders, but it was like, it was like you had, you were polite, you had manners, mm -hmm. uh, you were quiet, quieter. Um, there was a sense of uh, discipline and integrity. Respect towards others. Yes. And I don't want to put anything down into our culture now. But sure. it was very different from this culture. Sure. That's what we were we were raised up in. Of course. And so, um, that did affect our well, and not having much to do and being kind of isolated from the big cities and all. Mm -hmm. Why the th movies were glamorous and exciting, and yeah. you know you had all this stuff to do. And like in the westerns, there was lots of land. We didn't have a lot of land. We were surrounded by three mountains where I lived, mm. big hills, we called them, but actually they're mountains. Yeah. And we lived in a valley. So the movies were just uh, just another world that to us was the best way, thing in the world, you know. Yeah, I mean, if I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. It's like if you just removed all the computers, all the yeah. internet and Netflix and everything, and all you had for entertainment was a theater then of course that'd be like the number one spot to go. It you know? would be. And we couldn't uh, wait for the movies to change. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, because you would go see you'd go see a movie and then you have to wait a week or two weeks, yeah. right? Yeah. Or would you see the same movie a few times? Yes. Sometimes we'd sit in in the movie theater and we would leave. We'd sit in there. <laughs> the kids, you know. They never made you leave. Did you take my dad and Scott and Gina to the theater. We used a lot. to go all the time. We go to the movies all the time. Okay, now we're up into the seventies. And TV was around then, so you know the sixties and seventies. Yeah, yeah. We go to every Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. I um, tried to make him uh, get be able to do that. We did all the Christmas movies at Christmas time. Then we'd go see um, uh, <laughs> Wizard of Oz. There yeah, you go. Yeah, Wizard of Oz. They would have the Wizard of so Oz. They, would they would replay films that are older. Yes, in they the did. Yeah. We'd see those a lot. Disney movies. And we actually had the back back then. It was a '78 album record mm -hmm. of the Wizard of Oz. And in the family, we had we had characters from the the uh, album that we would take on. Gina, my daughter, was always Dorothy. <laughs> and she was always Glenda, the good witch. I was always the bad witch. <laughs> and then the boys would be the scarecrow and tin men, of course. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we would do those play acting things in uh -huh. the basement of our house for, 
for every. That makes sense why the, all three of your children love The Wizard yeah. of Oz. And we would all play those games. Mm-hmm. And, and then musically, yeah. too, you really um, encourage. I mean, my dad has like just so much musical knowledge, especially from uh, his generation, but even Elvis and all that. I mean, was music a big part of their life, your life as well? Rick was absolutely your dad in love with music. Mm. He listened to music all the time. He had so many records, and he would save his money. <laughs> he, as, sa- he told of- me that he would steal, well, he'd take your lunch money that he'd, you'd give him, and he'd, uh, he'd tell, ask girls to bring him lunch, and then yeah. he'd spend his lunch money on records. That's what I heard about 25 years later. <laughs> <laughs> While looking at his record collection. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, how did he get all his records? No, I never thought about it. Uh, That's hilarious. But he did. He loved music. He had a set of drums when he was about six years old, mm-hmm. and he loved playing those drums. And then when he became a teenager, he got his own set, a big regular set of drums. Yeah. He loved and those them. are mine now. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they sure are. You actually still have <laughs> they those are. drums. And you were a good drummer, Matthew, and excellent. He was in drum... Uh, was and still is man yeah, Matthew's a wonderful is. drummer so you're a great r- drummer and Rick your dad is a great drummer he is. he's a great drummer still yeah. and he's still into music and everything of course so our, our dad kind of caught the music bug and Uncle Scott his brother he, he's he got some crazy knowledge with like oh my gosh. all those older bands Beatles and stuff Yep. Mm-hmm. so I mean they they share that together too I th- yeah. The reason I kind of wanted, wanted to talk about all this is I do think there is kind of a, uh, there's a language to filmmaking, there's a language to music making, and a lot of people will ask me, like, how do you do, how do you make videos? And part of it is a lot of experience and practice, but then there is also the fact that all of us in my family have grown up watching films and there's kind of this baseline understanding that I feel like if you are fortunate enough to grow up in a home where you're exposed to good um, storytelling, great music, once you if you're if you're interested in becoming a creative, all of those things are just a big palette in your brain to like paint from because there's just a language to storytelling that kind of can flow out of you and you don't know why you're able to tell a story naturally. But it's because of the foundations that um, you place throughout your whole life. Like my dad made this film. He's never, you know, we're talking about how he was a musician. He's mostly a musician his whole life. He's only been doing movies for about 10 years now. Um, I would argue the reason he's so good at telling stories isn't because he went to film school. In fact, he didn't do any education on film. It's because he's seen so many movies. He knows intuitively how to tell a story because it's been ingrained in his brain mm-hmm. with with a lot of entertainment like it's okay to copy yeah <laughs> to, to see things that you really like and then just sort of piece it all together and I absolutely mean, exactly as you said that palette uh everything you watch and see and immerse yourself immerse yourself to that's that is how you kind of come up with creativity honestly seeing other people's creativity and things that give you that awe moment you know and now okay i want to do that too in my own way maybe but also take it from this or do that same shot that this guy did and i think a lot of filmmakers uh, in particular who are listening to this can learn a lot from just watching great films Mm -hmm. you don't have to 
read a book or you know go to a mm-hmm. lecture you can just you know steven spielberg's a great place to start uh francis coppola uh is a great place to start or orson wells just watch any films made by these great directors and just press play and then press pause rewind watch it again make a note why did they do this why did the camera move from here to there why did they say it in this way there's so much to learn you don't have to go to school you can learn it yourself yeah and like you said you can learn it by watching mm-hmm. and wondering what did they do to do that and why did they do that i i used to download the scripts of movies and then i would watch the movie and read the script and it really helps you understand the filmmaking aspect because in the script it'll not only give the lines of the actors but also describes what is being seen or what shot is you know Mm -hmm. we want camera exterior here pushing into this blah 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 and then you as you're watching the movie you're reading what the writer wrote and seeing what the filmmaker made it really gives you a bigger picture of like what the movie like how it's made you know exactly that's that's great but the thing is i always loved movies and it stuck with me all of my life and then my children, your dad, and uh, Gina, the daughter, and Scotty, the son, too. My aunt's and uncle. My aunt Yeah, uncle. <laughs> your uncle and aunt. We, we always, we went to every popular movie that came out. I don't think we missed any of the, <laughs> anything that won an award or yeah. was um, um, highly advertised. I think we went to every one of them, and that is amazing to me now. I can look back and see that yeah. because I'm not that acclimated to what's on the screen today. Sure, even though you really want to see the new 007 movie. I can't wait. <laughs> but, you know, that's an old genre, really. I mean, sure, you think about it. You're right. It's not one of these new films that... Sure. And it's not... But you liked Infinity War. I right? loved it. I loved it. Now, I like some of them. Yeah. But some of them I don't care for. But Sure. And I don't know who the movie stars are today. But, yeah. boy, I knew who all of them were back in the old days, you know. Who's, who's your favorite 007 again? Sean Connery? Sean Connery. Oh, yeah. yeah. First yeah. one. Yeah. 1971 or something. I yeah. don't remember. It seems like a, a long time ago. <laughs> and you saw the Pink Panther movies, right? Oh, yes. Uh, I so loved them. And uh, Clouseau. Clouseau. Uh, Peter Sellers. He was just... Uh, he was hysterical. We went to see every one of those. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we saw, you know, during the the kind of romantic with Barbara Streisand and those guys and uh, um, Paul Newman and... and um, Butch Cassidy, what's his name? The just those guys in that time, and you know, yeah. there was a just a group of great actors then that had this following, and, and they had these great movies. We just went to them. We That's went to awesome. everything that we could. You're really a, a film historian in your own uh, way, Mama. You could start a YouTube channel <laughs> talking about. You could. It could be called Mama's Film. Journey or something, yeah, or, something like, like and you just talk about movies from the twenties and forties and the, you know oh, the the heyday. Yeah, and they were great, and you know they were so intriguing and interesting yeah. and beautiful and glamorous and. And what's cool is they were they were breaking ground technologically every yes. year over year. I mean, you had Wizard of Oz, you had uh, you know people doing things with cameras and you know movement. Uh, the um, Gone with the Wind. They did so many technological things. Uh, Lawrence of Arabia was like a cinematic masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Orson Welles, he did some crazy visual effects on that yes. movie. Obviously, he's 
fast forward to George Lucas with Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> you remember seeing Star Wars? Oh, yes, of course. But now this is changing the subject a little bit, but what about television? Yeah. Back in the old days, 1948, I think, was when the first broadcast was made, but I can't remember exactly. Were you a Tonight Show watcher? Did you watch Well, oh, yeah, we show? did, but when the first TV started out, uh, nobody had a television set. We, we raced up with radio. Yeah. That was it. You had a radio. You sat at the foot of the radio mm-hmm. with your ear attuned to the box, mm-hmm. and that was it. So you'd hear these stories. You know, you, you had Amos and Andy. I think Papa said one time before the radio, you'd just sit and look at the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's some, he said That's that one time. That's hysterical. That's probably what we did. Yeah. We, weren't very, we weren't very creative back then. No, I'm but just joking. Anyway, um, but uh, one of our neighbors got a television set, and she was the hairdresser at Matoka, West Virginia. Uh-huh. She got a, a actually got a television set, 1948. So we didn't have a TV set. We wanted to go see it. So Pat Millsap, the best friend of my brother, his mother was the one that got the TV set. Okay. He asked Pat if we could come over there and watch TV with him. <laughs> and they said, yeah, you can watch, but you can't come in the house. But you can sit on the porch and look through the window. Okay. And that's how we watched the first television set. Wow. That's how I watched. I'm sure it was a small screen, black and white. Yes, small screen. And so we'd sit there and watch. It's a miracle, though. It was a miracle. Whoever saw anything like that? And we would always watch um, the top ten songs of the week. And for five or six weeks, the top song of of the week was... Shrimp boats is a coming. What? And on and on. Shrimp boats is a coming, is coming, is you know. Uh-huh. Can, I mean, I've never really, even heard really, that. No, so I don't know. Really? really? Yeah, it really was. <laughs> and so <laughs> that was so. Then we finally. David got, just took a glass of water that was completely empty and there was took a, a tiny d- drip. In <laughs> it. No, <laughs> that was empty, bro. It was quite. So, it was one drip. I got it. But we finally. Are you gonna refill me, Matthew? We finally got a television set. My father bought one in 1955. We finally got a TV set, 1955. That that wasn't cheap, I'm sure. I don't remember what it cost, to be honest. But it it was black and white. I know that part of the problem with uh, early television was that it was a new medium, Mm -hmm. and you had a lot of radio uh, people who were making television shows, but they didn't, they were so used to an audio first format, they had to learn how to make content for video. And there's some funny stories when you look at the history of television, how they just, they just weren't thinking about the visual as much. They were just, I mean, you're talking about, it was a television, you could show visuals and you're saying you were watching music. (laughs) Yeah. That's a radio station thing. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Um, and that was before music videos too. Obviously, that was just were, would they just play the song? Uh, they, no, they had singers. They had oh, they actors sing and okay. singers. But remember, everything was live. All the shows were live. Milton Berle had a show. It was live. Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz, I think, had a show then. They didn't tape the Sid show. Caesar. Back no, then? they didn't have tape. Okay, or, or they film didn't it. have it. This was. It back was too in- expensive to film it. Maybe. Um, I don't know how live I think works. The thing is about, I think when broadcasting first started, in order to broadcast, 
you've got your camera, but you're using airwaves. Mm -hmm. You're not using film. You're not using tape. Gotcha. They didn't have it. They had, I mean, they had eight they had millimeter, film, had it, eight millimeter that people could run. Sure. TV, we did use 16 millimeter. And of course, movies were 35 millimeter, right? Yeah. So, you know, all that. It but was it was all, a lot, yeah. It was, it slowly progressed. Yeah, slowly. And it was slow. But what was so hysterical, I mean, if you're live, you don't know what's going to happen. Anything yeah. can happen. And a lot of mistakes were made and a lot of sure. glitches. But it kind of made it, it made it homier or something. Yeah, it made it. It's okay. Well, it felt, it felt like you're sitting at a theater watching a performance live, you know? And, it was. Yeah, um, good point. I feel like we've lost a little bit of that. Even though we have things that say it's live, it's really sort of not live because now they always need to have, like, they legally have to have a limit where they could cut something off if somebody says a curse word or something bad happens. Um, yeah. and, and audiences are just so phony and stuff. And yeah. you, you'll see like a game show, like we were watching what dancing with the stars yeah. and it was like, man, just even the judges seem like they're phony and oh, yeah. it's just like live it's TV. It's just, uh, I don't think anyone has that feeling of, Oh, this is legit. Yeah. Back then I'm sure that was yeah. really awesome to see. Yeah, of it, was. it was. It's amazing how it's, it's changed so much. And it's mind-boggling. Well, yeah. What do you? What was your perspective when I was doing the YouTube thing? What What did you think about that? Doing uh, a show on the internet, basically. It's it just amazing. I mean, when when the cell phone became developed, you know, it's like I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. I could hardly believe television, being raised up with a radio, mm -hmm. and then trans translating into. Uh, television and then the cell phone and then the internet and all that the internet and then the cell phone i'm pretty sure uh papa had a early a very early cell phone because uh, he was a real a realtor mm -hmm. in the 90s and stuff and mm -hmm. so i remember he had a little pager mm -hmm. and people could send you a page it was basically yeah. like a text message yeah and then uh and then I, I do believe you guys actually had a cell phone before my parents did because he was a realtor Oh, okay, could be. But and then we had a flip phone. Yeah, the flip phone. And then uh, Matthew at one time was working at the Radio Shack. Oh yeah. And uh, tell me if we you see went one. to him to get a. We were going to go get a smartphone. He said we'd never use it to keep just get the flip phone. <laughs> and we didn't have the flip at that time. We just had the cell phone. Uh -huh. So we did. We got the flip phone, uh -huh. and he gave us a, a new phone number, which was great. Got a great phone number. And um, we didn't, we couldn't believe that, <laughs> you know, I mean, we were just, and then your dad is the one who talked us into getting an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he took us to AT&T and had to help us buy the iPhone. We sure. didn't know how to buy an iPhone. We couldn't even believe sure. that there was an iPhone, you know. <laughs> but what's, I think what's a amazing thing about Apple and why they're so successful is that they have uh, been able to scale the iPhone so well for people like like me who are using, I'm using my phone for a lot of my work, I'm sending emails, I'm editing things, but then it's also a phone and a way to send texts and, and things. And so, and you're able to use it just as well as I am. Yeah, but you have to teach me a lot. I'm not really acclimated to the, I was very acclimated to the computer for a while. Yeah. And I could do a lot of editing because I did work on magazines and books too. And I could do that. I learned it. But the iPhone or the cell phone now, the smartphone, 
is difficult for me personally. It's a different language, really. It is, mm-hmm. and I don't. I'm not acclimated. Golly, granddaughters uh, Hannah and Annie. Well, you guys really know the cell phone, but they are learning it in school. Yeah. And your little Ryan and your little Caleb, they're they're seeing it right now. They're growing up with it. I know. And well, so- they're also learning it at a time where their brains are mm-hmm. a lot more being developed and mm-hmm. spongy. Mm-hmm. But also, it's like for you, it, this is like a completely new thing. Mm-hmm. They grew up. That's all they knew. That's mm-hmm. all that really existed. Phones and and social media and things and. Well, it's, uh, yeah, we were, we were kind of showing you Siri and how you can just ask Siri to send a message or something. And it is mind blowing. It's like, it's basically a robot. You just say, Hey, dingus, you know, send a message to so-and-so. I'm not going to say it. Cause if I say the word, then it'll all go off. It'll set every, everybody who's <laughs> listening in their car will be like, God dang it, Dave. <laughs> um, well, Matthew's been holding the mic very generously uh, this whole time. We're using the SM7B, which isn't a light microphone. It's a, it's a fairly heavy microphone. Uh, biceps are bulging. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Matthew, uh, my Thank you. my youngest and only brother. Yeah, boy. Uh, by how many years? Three years? Three and a half. Three and a half years. <laughs> um, half. Not four. Three and a half. <laughs> three and a half years younger. What are you up to these days? Uh, I obviously know, but I'd like for you to share what your journey has been these last couple of years. You're living in New York now, but that's even just like literally last week you moved back. Yeah, Friday. <laughs> so I don't know where you want to begin with that, but... Um, well, I mean, I'm trying to think like what, what are some things I could say that would interest your, your listeners because well, they're... This is the Golden Hour podcast, right? Yeah, I mean, we're, this we'd like to focus on and entertainment and stuff, right? Well, you've had some amazing uh, experiences overseas. You did a, a documentary overseas using my Olympus camera. Yeah, <laughs> that autofocus uh, was amazing, man. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Micro Four Thirds uh, for the win. Yeah, um, and then going even further back uh, with Paul, uh, with Paul yeah. Wharton, Wharton, and uh, you, Lucas. You, you know, it actually all weddings. started. And Bear News Network, CNN. Okay. Yeah, we had. My, I used Final Cut Pro before X, so it was what? Seven. Not, yeah, seven. And uh, that I learned that at high school, like in a class. We were very fortunate at Mount Juliet High School. We had a class called BNN Bear News Network because bears were the mascot. And we actually there was a radio station, like an or not a radio station, a news station on cable. Or I think it was on set, like like broadcast news. Yeah, the it was on the local channels. Yeah, it was on the local channels. So my mom was able to tune in over satellite to watch our local high school news. Uh, I think Comcast gave us a channel in the, our region, which is pretty cool. And I was in that, and then you went in it as well. It's like a news station. Yeah, and you could do skits and different things, and you would learn how to edit. And so you you learned on Final Cut. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of went into high school sort of in the shadow of Dave Mays. <laughs> you know, like I, I had all these friends that were, you know, three years older than me because you had all these friends in high school. I think you you graduated, you, you oh, started school a year earlier, right, than most people. So yeah, people who younger. are your age were a senior still. And by the time you graduated, I was a freshman. And yeah. so all these seniors are my friends. We didn't get to do high school together. I know. You were in junior high school when I graduated. 
But I, I kind of went in already seeing all these BNN stuff that you did. You were, you did a lot of skits like the, the lightsaber one. You did yeah. the animation stuff. You, you know, yeah. you did the magic. And so I was like, okay, no brainer. I'm going into BNN. Oh heck yeah! And it's sort of, I think the first year I went to high school, it was a brand new facility. Uh-huh. On top of that, BNN got all new IMAX. There were nice. like 30 IMAX, and then there was this, you know, whatever the the huge desktop at the, the time. The Mac Pro. Yeah, the Mac Pro. It's so funny. It was <laughs> like a huge desktop. Um, and I think it wasn't till the 11th. Yeah, till junior year, I started getting in the. I was one of the main editors. Wow! And the guy, one of the one of the kids there, just sort of would show me simple cut and paste. I sort of was familiar because everyone used iMovie in the class to make stuff, um, content we shot on little you know camcorders and whatnot. But towards the end of sophomore, or yeah, junior year, my friend Lucas Wharton who did weddings um his father was a photographer in nashville mm-hmm. and at the time the church we were going to all our friends all, all your friends jeffrey and matt underwear and you know everyone underwood but um, yes yeah we <laughs> me jeffrey and matt had a we would shoot together full frame digital cinema. jeffrey owned the company but yeah it was a wedding film company that's where i did all my wedding videos yeah and uh you guys were just crushing it in there and I was like, well, that that seems really fun and easy. Let's do it. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, I get I get like $200 for a whole day of work. Let's do this. This is sweet. I get to hang out all day and talk to people and eat, get free food. And then they give me $200 afterwards. All I got to do is just stand there, you know, Hold get some shots here and there. Um, so it, it never but, really was something where I was like crazy. You know, I, I wasn't super passionate about it. I just enjoyed the people. I enjoyed going to all the weddings and, you know, the, the but you weren't, you weren't half bad though. You're a good shooter. I wasn't half good either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, well, I, you didn't, you didn't have, you didn't put the time in. I mean, it wasn't like you spent years and years of practicing and getting better. It yeah. Was... It, it, I think the big thing that it like for me is easiest is just the editing. Um, because I, I did a lot of that with, with them. Then I did some side work with, you know, Nick Serban Nick and, uh, Lifeway, and then I at, for a whole year I worked a forty-hour-a-week job where I w- used Final Cut every day, all day. I had my own office and Final Cut X. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for um, it was a NRB TV Christian Broadcasting Network, and and they'd just have random side stuff for me. They'd say, "Hey, get this two-hour-long video and make it a twenty-five-minute video, bah! and you know, make sure all the good important contents in it, or you know." That it makes sense. That's when it's a big ca- edit. Yeah, so I would just do Yikes. stuff like that over and over, or interviews, and uh, I, I would definitely say a lot of text and stuff too. And I hate, and I hated doing motion all the graphics, bumpers, and intro, outro images, and credits, and <laughs> you know, just sort of like gr- uh, grunt editing. Um, but I mean, after doing that for a year. Like I, I can spend months not touching Final Cut Pro, and then I sit back on it and just have all the hotkeys memorized. Still, it's muscle memory and yeah, ingrained can. in my brain. So, <laughs> um, it's pretty cool. The the other well, not the other day. It was actually like a year ago. I remember a friend was trying to learn how to use Final Cut Pro, and I was just sort of talking him through some basic things. And as I was just navigating through to like show him stuff, he he had to stop me like twenty times. Like, wait, what did you just do? I'm like, oh, I, wait, what did I do? I don't even know. Like, how did I do that? And you know, just just things that. Uh, that how how am I so good? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, when it's muscle memory, you're not really it's true. thinking about it. Um, it. You spend several, several hours in that program. So, yeah. And yeah, Mama, you were watching me edit the other day. You're like, do you know what that is? Do you know what you're doing there? And I'm like, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. I, I but it's can't just, believe it. Yeah. You're like this. This tool right here has been my main income for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> I spent $200 on this, you know, it's 10 crazy. years ago. And. It's, it's crazy when you think about every, it. Yeah, that is cool. There's three two ninety nine. I pay two ninety nine for that software. You ain't got nothing on this Adobe. If the two of you, <laughs> if the two of you hadn't helped me with the cell phone, I don't know where I'd be. Like, I mean, you guys do everything on my phone. <laughs> I have, I can't figure it out. I think you're amazing. Yeah, both of you, are just amazing. I think the police are coming to get us. Yeah, I think they are. No, I was talking trash about adobe being, being too amazing <laughs> sorry all you premiere pro users no there's a lot there's definitely a lot of adobe people and i still use photoshop and lightroom uh quite a bit yeah it makes sense and after effects you know that's some yeah. good stuff i don't open after effects foreign as much language as I foreign language <laughs> yeah you, you got into after effects i remember like yeah. 2013 14 you're messing around a lot and doing seth, fun uh, stuff yeah seth worley got me kind of hooked into it because he showed me all the 3D animation stuff and started experimenting and learning how to do 3D animation. But um, Final Cut has so many great built-in effects now. You can download plugins and different things built into Final Cut. I never need to leave Final Cut anymore. It's just all right there. I even make my own custom animations in Final Cut. It's awesome. January of 2013, I purchased um, a... 15-inch Retina MacBook Pro it was, I think, yep. at the time, 2600 And the I got, like, an Apple discount because we knew the guy. So, I mean, I got a whole $200 discount. Yeah. Um, That's good. And I still have that computer. I and know. even today was using Final Cut Pro on it. I know. Again, an application I spent $300 on <laughs> 10 years I ago. I think... Uh, so, the, that's just cool, you know? It is cool. And um, I think what... What I'm trying to get at too is that you're not, you are not doing video for your job anymore, but it has continued to resurface in your life as a very valuable and useful tool for your job now. So, so right now I, I'm pursuing sort of like, as a lot of people call ministry, you know, even like mission like work. But the only thing is I'm not overseas. I'm, I'm sort of trying to learn how to do it in America so that when I go overseas, you know, making disciples, sharing the gospel, starting churches, equipping people and sending them out to other places. Like I, I already know how to do it cause I'm doing that. Um, but I have a friend who has been developing an app and it's called seed sower. And it, it's really to help people who are missionaries or anyone who shares the gospel. It's to help them know how to track their shares and how many people are receptive to it or interested or close to it. Um, and so I'm actually, the video I'm doing right now is sort of like a promotional video for him. Um, and so, you know, I don't really see this as something I, I do because I love. It's more like, hey, there's a need. There's a guy who needs help with this thing, and I'll I'll do it. Like the last big project I did, I went to Kenya with my friend, and, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was doing a training. I was part of it, but I also filmed to, like, make a promotional video so he not really promotional, more just so people that were um, investing in his ministry could just see what was happening. Mm -hmm. So like, again, it's not a huge passion of mine, but at the same time, it's just such a necessity almost like there, 
it's so helpful to have that tool to know how to make a video and put it together from yeah. beginning to end and have transitions and have clean audio and have the, the lighting good and the color correct and just, you know, all these things that some people I feel who are just so gifted at it take for granted how important it is and how rare totally. of a, a skill it is. It can go such a long way and you can do almost anything with it. Yeah, I think a lot of us, uh, people who may be listening to this, you may be uh, living in a bubble because I tend to hang out with other filmmakers, video people, photographers. And if you also find yourself, you know, being attracted to obviously like-minded people, you go to a coffee shop and you just see a bunch of editors sitting at the at the coffee shop, especially <laughs> if you live in like Nashville or LA or New York or something. Or especially if you go to any hipster coffee shop. Yeah, exactly. That's like where the they all you filmmakers go. That's where they all congregate. <laughs> um, just, yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it's interesting to hear you say that, how rare that skill is in in general. Because I'm in, like, a ministry world, and no one, not a single person knows how to do any of that, you know? And it's such <laughs> a Nick Serban. And, and it's so helpful. Well, he's not in my, you know, niche. No, no, yeah. But, but that's what he, – he was saying the same thing. That's why yeah. he does what he, do, he does. Um, it's a good friend of ours who Dang, does the same thing. Maybe I should start, like, uh, profiting from this. <laughs> make this full-time career yeah <laughs> hey if i do i'll well let's do another podcast how about that okay, yeah it's that'll a, be my reward for making it yeah you know? a very lucrative career working for broke missionaries <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man sometimes these people who work with organizations they they get good fundraising you know? sure sure to further the kingdom of for, course. for jesus yes yes <laughs> no um, it is for jesus it is for jesus jesus um so yeah, I think even if you're a photographer listening to this and you, you maybe haven't ever switched on the video function on your camera, uh, my cousins, Amy and Jordan Demos, who I work for, uh, we kind of joke about it. Like they shoot on the 5D Mark IV. It's actually a really good video camera. They never, they've never even used the video feature. They don't even know how to use it. So if you're a photographer listening to this, maybe consider switching that little switch over and giving it a try and learning to put uh, an edit together and... Um, Final Cut is a great place to start, but if you don't even want to spend any money now, DaVinci Resolve is completely free and it's a great app as well. Um, Adobe, only if you're in the Adobe ecosystem and you want to stay in it, but I do not recommend spending $50 a month for Adobe when you could have Resolve completely 100% for free or Final Cut for $300 one time only. Um, I think it's a little silly to pay for an app unless there's a real reason for it um anyways the, i won't get into the premiere debate and, and especially for those filmmakers out there that are like maybe hesitant and are just working 40 50 hours a week at starbucks or mcdonald's like the the biggest thing i think that comes from colleges and places are kind of the networking and the people that you meet and know mm -hmm. through it that carries on to actual work and sure relationships so you know, the first start is who in your life has a need in some way that mm. you can fulfill. And I mean, bringing video to a need, you know, you can do, you can fulfill a need in that in so many different ways. So just put yourself out there and ask people even, Hey, who do you know that needs help in this or that? Who do you know that, you know, is looking for career work in this? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, like it, it's good to, to work a, you know, a normal nine to five job. If, if that's what you're doing, you have responsibility and bills to pay. But, you know, I've seen my brother like just sort of be that guy who's never, um, 
you know, just sort of listen to the man. And he's like, no, this is what I want to do. And I'm going to do it. And honestly, man, you, you have a big old contact list on your phone. You got a lot of names and, and connections and networks, you know, people that you've connected to. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure you'd agree in that. It's a lot about who, you know, and, and finding totally. that work that way, you know, hundred percent go to the events. Obviously COVID kind of stopped all the events. Um, but things are starting to pick up again. So go to events, hang out with people, meet people, or just virtually, you know, be a part of groups, get on Twitter, Instagram, that type of stuff, get to know people online. Um, but anyways, yeah, I mean, this conversation went in a lot of directions. We started, <laughs> yeah. we started with mama talking about, um, growing up, going to films for a nickel or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Quarter. Quarter. Um, and then the radio station, the television station, uh, my parent, my my dad's, you know, childhood with music. And then that led to, you know, my dad who gave birth to myself and Matthew. Well, our mom did, but he helped a little. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he did the one thing the guys think about every day, all day for five seconds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the male to female contribution to childbearing is very interesting. It's unfair. Yeah. Sorry, I'm I'm done now. Okay, I, I would like to piggyback on what uh, you were saying about networking. When we were trying to get into a radio or TV station, our motto was get your foot in the door. Mm. If you can get your foot in the door. And I remember I was really blessed because I got to start right in with the broadcasting team and I got my foot in the door that way, which was great. But I had a friend who was a receptionist uh -huh. in a television station and by golly, she ended up becoming a reporter. So back in the old days, that worked, and I understand it works today. Still if works today. If have, you have your heart set on something that you love to do, get your foot in the door, and off you can go. That's right. And I would still argue that there is a human element involved in that, meaning face-to-face -face interaction. or Shaking hands. Shaking hands, or at least getting on a call, whether it's Zoom or... Um, I prefer an audio call over Zoom. I think Zoom is awkward. People... People just look at themselves the whole time. Um, you're not really looking at the other person. You're actually just being self-conscious mm -hmm. about your own face. So I prefer to just... Or maybe that's just you. <laughs> I'm <laughs> joking. <laughs> I just feel like with a Zoom call like or face. <laughs> with a FaceTime call, it's like you're sitting in a chair, whereas I can walk around and pace around with a phone call. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think when you and I are on the phone together, like both of us are just walking in different places yeah. and circles. <laughs> or playing uh, retro games in my case. <laughs> or uh, on the toilet. Yeah, on the toilet. Um, <laughs> anyways, we're, we're coming up to the end of the episode here. Mama, I would love for you to close us out. Is there anything um, that you would love to impart onto our listeners with your wealth of knowledge and, and history uh, in not only entertainment, but also just in life? Uh, we have wow <laughs> well I think in life I think the most important thing in life is to get to know Jesus Christ I mean to me that is the most important thing I've learned in my life and I know that I've had Christ in my life and not had Christ and it's much better with him and walking with him reading the Bible learning his word and trying to live the way God wants us to live and I think that when you are that way, you're off, often thinking of other people more than you think of yourself. And I'm not saying that I do that, but I think that's what we're supposed to do. And I think that 
finding, trying to find a job, trying to get into a workplace. All of those things are applicable that you have learned on loving people. And I think that especially if you love doing something, if you really want to do that, and you get, your, get to know people like you all were talking about, networking and all, be kind to each other, love each other. And I think that in that way, and feel it sincerely, I think that that's going to help you in your work, and it'll help you to, to do things that you dreamed of doing. And I think if you have a dream, and if you can put Christ in your heart, you can go to God and pray to him, ask him for his wisdom, ask him for his guidance. God loves you, and God wants to help you. And I know this kind of program are giving you great ideas and things that you can do to follow your dreams and to make your dreams come true. But I think, I know that that's true. Everything they said is the right thing to do and always do it. If you can, make yourself believe, believe in Jesus Christ, believe that he can help you, that he loves you and that God will help you when you ask him. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Ask God to help you in all of your endeavors, but especially in making your dreams come true. That's a great way to end it. Mm. <laughs> 84 years of wisdom right there. That's right. And uh, I'd like to dedicate this entire episode to Joel Stevenson, who we lay to rest here in Arlington. What an honor. What an amazing episode with my yes. grandma, uh, Kathy Stevenson, and Matthew Altizer. Thank you guys for joining me today on the Golden Hour Podcast. Thank you for having us. I had a blast. Now let's go play some hand and foot. Oh, heck yeah. Hand and foot. It's and... a fun card game that I'm going to whoop my grandma and brother in. <laughs> in your dreams. 